1: Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp, joined here by my co-host, Swamp 24-7's Blake Alderman. Blake, it's been a while since we've had a show. I uh, wanted to get to this one a day or two earlier to recap the NFL draft, uh, but it was a little bit under the weather, so glad to get back with you. Uh, I guess let's talk about it. You know, Florida had eight NFL draft picks, just one shy of the school record. And Blake, to me, when you look at the amount of guys that Florida put into the draft, not just... Uh, overall, but you look at where they went in the draft. You know, a couple first rounders, a second round quarterback. Um, this is really what you want to see out of Florida on a consistent basis going forward.
0: Absolutely. I mean, whenever you look at, um, you know, kind of putting your 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 feather in your hat of you know, even on the recruiting trail of, of getting guys developed, having some of those guys that, you know, a Marco Wilson going in the fourth round, you know, after struggling in the, in this past season for them, just kind of showing the body of work, you know, even guys like Sean Davis, who, you know, had some ups and downs in his career, just continuing to show that, you know, developing guys, you're getting guys in that maybe was, you know, a three-star type of guy, or, you know, even a Kadarius Tony, who I think was a three-star putting him into a, you know, a first-round category and a guy that, you know, maybe before the 2020 season, you know, not many people were thinking he was going to be a first round draft pick. So I think that, uh, you know, really showing that development, you know, it, with that being something that the, the coaching staff at Florida really preaches, I think, you know, it kind of shows that, you know, the proof's in the pudding there.
1: Well, and I think it gives you a lot of ammo to recruit going forward. Sure. You know, Florida has done a good job, like you said, developing some of these guys. I mean, if you would have asked me last year, if Kadarius Tony would even be drafted, I'm not sure I would have said yes. I mean, I would have think, you know, I would have thought at the time that, you know, it would really take somebody taking a flyer on him, given that basically for his first couple of years at Florida, we really only saw him used as a gadget player. And I think it speaks a lot to what, uh, you know, Billy Gonzalez has been able to do with the receivers at Florida, you know, a lot about, um, you know, just, just kind of the buy-in from players of developing into complete players. And I think when you're able to see the development of guys and see what coming back for an extra year can do for some of these guys, particularly when you have guys like, you know, Ja'Kai Polite, who came out a little bit before Dan Mullen thought he was ready and kind of things didn't work out for him. On the flip side, you see a guy like Kadarius Tony really invest in his senior season and his development. That gives you a lot of ammo on the recruiting trail. And you still have to go out and sign the guys. Uh, but Blake, I think when you look at this draft class for Florida, I look at it kind of two ways. One, you know, this is exactly what you want to see. There's that second part of me that wonders, man, what could have been in 2020? And I think that's going to probably be a theme for a long time, looking back at that 2020 season, when you talk about a guy like Kyle Trask, who could end up going, uh, I think going to the Tampa Bay Bucks is a a super ideal fit for him. You know, him having the ability to develop behind Tom Brady, you talk about Kyle Pitts, probably a generational player. I think when you look at this NFL draft class, a couple years down the road, you're going to have a lot of really productive NFL players and you're going to wonder a little bit, you know, what did we miss out on in 2020 that we just, you know, couldn't quite break through.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm uh, you know being a Bucks fan myself. I'm happy to see a guy like Kyle Trask, who I think has some similarities to Tom Brady. You know, just kind of that, I guess, the style that they want to play. You know, I, I was really excited about that pick for for Tampa Bay. Not so excited about Kyle Pitts playing for the Atlanta Falcons because you know it's in the division. So yeah, so you can kind of share that misery with me as well too. But uh, you know, I'm I'm happy to see him. You know, a guy that. You know, I mean, he, he's a, like you said, a generational talent. And I think that you hit the nail on the head there. You know, I can hope that, you know, maybe two games out of the season, he's not a generational talent, but, uh, you know, I guess that's just me being selfish.
1: Hey, me being a Saints fan, I've got to uh, <laughs> go against Pitts and, uh, and Kyle Trask twice a year potentially now. So wasn't too thrilled about where they landed, but, you know, I'm sure those guys are. Kyle Pitts, let's talk about him for a little bit. You know, I think we all knew he had a chance to go pretty high in the draft. Not quite sure I saw him going as high as he did. You know, he became the highest drafted tight end in NFL history. So, the expectations for Kyle Pitts are going to be pretty high. Blake, what about his game kind of justifies him going that high to you? Talking about Pitts? Pitts, yeah. Uh,
0: You know, I I think it's the wingspan. I think it's the way that you can use him in different ways. You know, he – Came a long way as a blocker, I think, in that last year from, you know, the 2020 year to the 2019 year. He's not just a, you know, a big wide receiver. And I think he showed that he's a little bit more you can do different things. And I, I think you would kind of sell yourself short as a, you know, NFL team using him as a, you know, a blocker, you know, predominantly. And I, I don't think anyone in the world is thinking that he's going to be that. But, uh, you know, I think the wingspan, I think just the versatility you have with a guy like that because he's quick enough to, you know, throw him out wide. And I think he's he's got enough – wingspan and he can kind of snatch the ball out and you know obviously he's quick enough to you know go against those linebackers and stuff you know I I think that whenever you have a guy like that I mean just being a mismatch I think is just kind of the the biggest thing for him just because you can do so many different things to them and he has so many different skill sets that he can match up against you know really any position you put him against in defense on a defense
1: yeah and I think that again going back to the development of players I think that's something that really changed between 2019 and 2020 for Pitts You know, in 2019, we talked about it repeatedly. Florida's run game struggled in part because the tight ends dropped off in terms of their blocking from that group of three seniors in 2018 when Kyle Pitts took over as a sophomore and Lucas Kroll was kind of relied on a little bit more. And I thought if you're talking about Pitts' game, the biggest change in his game wasn't necessarily that he started making, you know, all these uh, other world plays in the passing game. I thought it was more that he created such a bigger matchup problem in 2020 because he was able to come in line and and kind of block. And I think that really disguises you, uh, what you're doing on offense. And I think to your point, that's kind of where the NFL has gone. You know, you're looking at these big hybrid players that can play nickelback, you know, linebackers, I think have gotten smaller and lighter in, in part because they have to defend against guys like Kyle Pitts and Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, you know, those types of tight ends. So I think that's kind of where the position's going, but I think there's no doubt in my mind, that Kyle Pitts is probably not a top 10 pick unless he makes that development as a blocker. And I think again, you know, going back to to crediting Florida staff for being able to develop players, I think Tim Brewster stepped in and and really didn't miss a beat. And I know Larry Scott, the previous tight end coach was, was with Kyle Pitts at the draft and um, you know, certainly had a lot to do with his development as well. But I I just thought you saw such a big leap, um, you know, from 2019 to 2020 with Pitts, And I'm curious, Blake, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more in the second half of the show, but I'm curious which, which guys you end up thinking might be able to make similar type jumps in 2021 because I look at the NFL caliber talent and this, this is kind of true every spring, but I look at the guys, you know, that are on next year's roster and, and, you know, who could maybe be an NFL draft pick. And I don't see as many numbers there next year. But then again, that all comes back to development. So we'll, we'll get into that more in the second half of the show, Blake. I wanted to ask you: Was there anything surprising to you in this NFL draft class from Florida? That was
0: actually a question I was getting ready to ask you. But for me, I think it's Stone Forsythe. You know, maybe not necessarily a guy that you know I'm surprised that he got drafted. But I, you, you look at the reports before, which you know it's it's not you know a concrete you know type of you know prediction. But I mean, this was a guy that was getting second to third round you know draft buzz. You know he. Uh, you know, I thought he played really well for Florida. You know, I think that if you had to knock him on something, maybe the run blocking, because I think overall Florida's offensive line struggled in the run blocking. But, I mean, you've got a guy that, I mean, he's got the size, you know, he's he's got a lot of snaps under his belt from playing, you know, not only offensive tackle, but playing left tackle, you know, for Florida. And, you know, where you look at their passing, um, you know, how they really... Florida was really good in pass blocking, you know, sure. Not every game, you know, there were some games that maybe they didn't do as well as others, but I think where you have a guy like that at that size, I think this, uh, the Seahawks got a really, you know, a really nice steel pick with him going in the sixth round.
1: Yeah. I think so too. That would be, you know, one of probably two or three things I thought really kind of stood out to me. I thought he'd go a little bit earlier just because I think you look at, um, you know, Ojolari from Georgia and the kind of game he put together against him. I thought that was some of his most impressive tape. And anytime you have NFL scouts looking at you, they're usually looking at those matchups against other NFL caliber players. And I thought Stone really held his own in that Georgia game this year. I do think, like you said, he's got some work to do in the run game. He'll tell you that. Um, But I think he's a guy that when you're talking about, you know, the NFL, the way it plays today, depending on what kind of system you're running, you know, he's a guy that's probably a plug and play right tackle starter from day one. Now, I don't know if he'll be that in Seattle. I think that offense is a little different in terms of, you know, having Russell Wilson's running ability. I think that probably, to me, doesn't play as much into four size strengths, you know, being able to kind of grind it out in the run game. I, I thought he'd maybe be better in a system like a, like a Tampa Bay or in New Orleans where they really kind of focus on getting the ball out quickly. I think he's a guy that can keep, you know, opposing defensive ends off your quarterback, and that's probably his strength. Blake, for me, I think the biggest surprise was probably Trayvon Grimes going undrafted. He's also surprised. I'm, surprise I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. But for me, you know, I, I thought he would be a mid to late round guy. I didn't necessarily think he was going, you know, first three rounds or anything like that. I wasn't probably quite as impressed by his, his season in 2020 as maybe some other people put up big numbers. But I thought for a guy that size, he didn't really dominate as much as I'd like to see. Um, having said that, you know, the NFL draft a lot of times is about potential. And when you talk about a guy that's six, four, you know, whatever height he is, that's in that range and the ability to run a four five flat, you know, really has good length. I thought maybe somebody would take a flyer on him a little bit earlier. He didn't get drafted. So uh, I'm curious, Blake, do you, do you have any idea from your end why that might've been the case? I know he struggled with drops a little bit last year. You know,
0: I don't have any, you know, any info on that, but I, I would agree with you. I think it's the drops. I think it's just, uh, you know, having a guy that, you know, a former five-star guy, you know, high-ranked guy like that, I think whenever you look at those kind of guys and you look at that uptick in you know, just production he had in the 2020 season, I don't think it was a perfect season for him, but I think whenever you have a guy that moves at that size, has that wingspan, can be that, you know, kind of red zone, even if you wanted to kind of start him out there, just having that size to catch those 50-50 type balls. And, you know, you look at that catch that he had against, I believe it was Tyson Campbell in the Georgia game uh, where Florida was in Jacksonville playing there. I think that those kind of plays were enough to where I thought he would have gotten drafted. Um, so I was, I was actually very surprised that he didn't get drafted at all. And I think that you know uh, Brian Johnson the former uh, quarterback coach offensive coordinator at Florida who's now in the Philadelphia Eagles where uh, Trayvon Grimes is picked up as a, as a free agent I think that I, you know I don't know if he had something to do with that but I think whenever you have a guy like that that knows the type of player knows that Grimes is one that's going to really work hard and he's going to kind of keep his nose down now I, you know I think whenever you have those former five-star guys and you, and you, and you see them not get drafted you know, some of those guys I think can kind of hang hang their head down and they can kind of feel sorry for themselves. But Grimes to me seems like a competitor, and I think he's a guy that's really going to continue to. I guess that motivates him, so to say, in that next level to continue to make that roster and continue to make plays and you know, kind of try to show the Philadelphia organization what he's all about and that he deserves to be on that team. So, you know, I like I said, I was really surprised that he didn't get drafted at all. I would have, you know, didn't think he was going to be a you know a day one, maybe a late day two. I definitely thought day three guy, but you know, him going undrafted in general just that that was a big surprise to me for sure.
1: Yeah, and I think what some of these players have to realize, too, is there's not a whole lot of difference in being a sixth or seventh round pick and being undrafted. You know, you kind of get to pick your spot a little bit more if you're undrafted. And look, Trayvon Grimes will have a chance to make a roster next fall. I don't think there's any question about it. You know, he's got to go out there and prove that he can be an every-down receiving threat. If he can contribute on special teams, that's great as well. But, Blake, let's talk about some of these middle-round guys. I wanted to maybe get your feel for the guys that kind of went from the fourth to the fifth round. Florida had four of them. Uh, Marco Wilson went in the fourth round. I think that was probably a surprise to many Florida fans, but when you look at the numbers he put up in his pro day, you can probably understand it from an NFL standpoint. Evan, McS- Evan McPherson goes in the fifth round as the first kicker taken, probably validates his decision to li- leave early. Sean Davis and Tadaryl Slayton also both in the fifth round. Out of those guys, do you see any of those guys having a very productive NFL career, or who who are you know among those four guys would you see potentially – being a good value in those middle rounds there.
0: You know, I think McPherson, whenever you look at a guy like a kicker, you know, there's not so many guys you have to compete with. You know, usually when a team is picking a kicker, I mean, you're coming in to be the guy. So I think that that would be the safe pick. But the one that I think that was interesting the most to me was to Daryl Slayton. I mean, another guy that, you know, in those way too early type mock drafts, I mean, he was another guy that was getting, I think, second round buzz, or I don't remember who put that mock draft out, you know, at the time, because it's been a little while since then. But I think he's a guy that, starting out coming out of high school. I mean, this was a guy that was playing offensive guard or offensive line or, you know, either way he was playing offensive line and he wanted, he played both ways, but I mean, he was listed as an offensive lineman. Most schools were recruiting him as an offensive lineman and he came to Florida because they were pitching that defensive line position to him. So, you know, kind of starting out and focusing more on being a defensive lineman. Um, He has a basketball background from high school. So I think he's one that continued to get better every year. He continued to learn more to put in his arsenal. He, He just seemed like a guy who was starting to kind of scratch the that you know that that next level and I think that he was doing that in his later years at Florida so I think that getting a guy like that in the fifth round who's still learning the game and more, more than likely has better years ahead of him I think that to Darryl Slayton's the one that jumps out the most to me there
1: yeah I think he started to show you know kind of in his senior season that he could be a little bit more cut some
0: bad weight. you know I mean he just he just did so many things to transform his game and take it to that next level
1: and I think a big part of that for him too was uh you know simply grinding 24-7 you know really really working for it I thought that was maybe a little bit of an issue in his first three years where he he just kind of expected it to come naturally because he's such a good athlete I thought in 2020 as a senior he really started to kind of put in a little bit more work and I thought you showed that showed up on the field I am curious to see you know how Sean Davis does at the next level you know going to the Indianapolis Colts he's a guy that doesn't necessarily have great size but is a real big hitter Uh, maybe this is a completely ludicrous comparison but A little bit of Bob Sanders to him in terms of, you know, being that smaller guy that can really hit. Mm -hmm. I think the big thing for him is, you know, can he consistently stay on the right page in terms of coverage and whatnot? And I think if he's able to do that, he's a guy that could potentially uh, stand out to me. Blake, let's uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break. And then when we come back on the other side, I want to get your thoughts on some of Florida's 2021 NFL draft prospects. And then we'll talk a little bit about what's coming up in recruiting as the NCAA dead period gets set to end at the beginning of June. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, I wanted to talk about next year's NFL draft prospects at Florida. I mentioned in the first half of the show, on paper, I don't necessarily see as many surefire picks, especially in the, that top tier of the draft. You know, the first, second round, like Pitts, Tony, and, uh, Kyle Trask were but uh, I wanted to get your feel for it I guess first off if you had to pick somebody that you thought would be the highest drafted player out of Florida next year I'm gonna put you on the spot right now who would that be and what kind of round projection are you expecting?
0: Yeah, I don't know that's really putting me on the spot I think Kair Elam I think he's one guy that I think jumps out to me I think he I think he can be a first round draft pick I think when you look at a guy like that who was thrown in the fire early you know counted on early um, you know, sure, Florida had their their struggles in the, you know, in the defensive game last year. But I think he was definitely one of those guys that, you know, really kind of showed, you know, that he can cover, that he can tackle, that he can do all those things that I think a lot of teams are going to look at him. And I mean, even tell you, I mean, he has NFL pedigree with his dad playing in the NFL, coming out of Notre Dame, his his uncle, uh, Matt Elam, who played at Florida and was drafted by the uh, the Ravens in the first round. Um, I, I think he's probably the safest bet. You know, I think Brenton Cox, if he's a guy that has one of those big years for Florida and, you know, continues to – work on some of the things that maybe he struggled with in 2020 Um, if he can kind of turn the corner there another guy that you know could have gone to the NFL draft I don't know if he would have been drafted high or even at all you know coming if he if he did come out from this past season but I think he's a guy that if he he can to me he seems like a guy that's a Kadarius Tony type to where if he really shows out and really puts together a strong season I think he could move up draft boards
1: yeah I think when you talk about Kyrie Elam I think obviously I think I would agree that he's probably the number one guy in terms of NFL draft prospects I would maybe say Zach Carter. Those guys are 1A and 1B for me. Uh, I think, you know, like with Brenton Cox, I think you mentioned it. You see all the athletic ability, all the potential. I think for him it's kind of twofold what he needs to do to improve as an NFL prospect. I think, one, is being able to set the edge against the run consistently. That was probably the weakness in his game last year. He'll tell you that. Florida's coaches will tell you that. That's something that he's really focusing on this offseason. And if he can kind of take the next step there, I think he could be in really good shape. But I think the guy that maybe stands to benefit the most from some offseason additions at Florida, this, you know, this, this transfer cycle is probably Zach Carter, because when you add two, you know, power five graduate transfers in Antonio Shelton and Daquan Newkirk at defensive tackle, I think that's going to allow Zach Carter the freedom to really get after the pass or more. I think that Florida, you know, really spent this spring really kind of working on one or two things with him rather than kind of a complete package. They, they really... They know what they're getting from him, so he didn't rep quite as much. And when he did, they were really focused on a couple things. I think that's going to be a lot, developing a few more pass rush moves. But I think when you look at his kind of size, you know, in that 270, 280 range, ability to play inside if you need it in pass rush pass rush situations, I think that helps a lot in the NFL. Um, I, I could see Iyer Elam going in the first round. I could see Zach Carter. I think Zach Carter would have to do a lot to push into the first round. But I think he could easily be an early second-round guy. And, again, with a big season, maybe he could get into that first round. Blake, who are some of the other guys on the roster that you look at as guys that aren't necessarily surefire NFL guys, maybe don't even come out next year, but are maybe guys that might be a little bit off the radar right now who could play their way into NFL draft consideration?
0: we Are talking just in general draft? Are we talking high draft?
1: Not Uh, necessarily high. It's just, you know guys that maybe we're not thinking about right now that could eventually come out next year.
0: You know, I think of Jacob Copeland, and I say that, you know, just because he's had a lot of guys in front of him. And you look at Florida's draft class these last couple years, you had Van Jefferson, you had Tyree Cleveland, you had Josh Hammond, who, yes, he went undrafted, but, you know, he he was with a team Um, you know, even just past year, Kadarius, Tony, Kyle Pitts, you know, those kind of guys that were really big targets for Florida. You know, I think that if he can come in and now those guys aren't in front of him anymore, and he's, you know, kind of the, the top dog in that wide receiver room, if he can come in and be motivated by seeing a lot of these guys that he spent a lot of time with, you know, just being in that wide receiver room, you hang out with all these guys, you see him post, you know, hanging out with a guy like Tyree Cleveland, you know, during, you know, the times he has off from football. I think if he can stay motivated and see those guys of what they've done and getting to that next level, I think he could be one of those guys that you know Billy Gonzalez. I mean, we you have to give him some credit. He's produced a lot of guys that were higher, you know, higher draft picks since he's been at Florida, or even just a draft pick in general. So I think that he could be one of those guys if he comes in motivated, you know, works on some of those things, you know, you know, mental things, you know, running the right routes, you know, making sure he's consistent in a lot of things. I think he's one that could you know be a guy. You know, I think that you know. I I would be pretty shocked if he didn't go, if he went undrafted, you know, if he did come out next year. But I think just from what you've seen from him so far, I think he's showed a lot of potential, but I think he's one that can move up a draft board if he comes out and, you know, being that top guy and, you know, kind of working on things and and staying focused.
1: Yeah. I think Copeland very much to me strikes me as a Kadarius Tony type where, you know, you haven't really seen the full consistency yet. I think drops are something that he needs to really focus on this offseason. I think, you know, him and Trayvon Grimes, that was my knock on those two last year. But I think when you look at what Copeland can do in the weight room, I mean, he's pound for pound one of the strongest guys on Florida's team. He's a pretty willing blocker if he can show that on a consistent basis and then start to turn into a playmaker now that, you know, Florida really does need some other targets to step up with Tony, Pitts, and Grimes all gone. Um, He's a guy that can really make Emory Jones' life easier if he begins to develop. And I think that's something NFL teams definitely won't sleep on. You know, he's got the name recognition. He was a a big-time prospect. Now it's just about translating that full-time. I think another guy in that vein, uh, Justin Shorter, is another guy that I think, when you look at the size and the athleticism that he has, he's a guy that's immediately on the NFL radar for those reasons alone. Now the question is, you know, we saw what happened in the bowl game when some of those veterans sat out. Can those guys elevate their game to play at that starting level position on a consistent basis? That's something we didn't really see in the Cotton Bowl. And so those guys are going to have to take a step forward – one other guy I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on, Blake, because I don't think he'll be an NFL draft pick, but he's definitely going to be a guy that I think Florida fans talk about, and that's Ventrell Miller. He's been very productive at linebacker for Florida. I think when you look at the numbers, he certainly got the college production to potentially be an NFL draft pick. The reason I don't necessarily see him being one is because I don't know that he has the measurables for the NFL, and particularly the way the game has gone. I don't know that he has the sideline-to-sideline side speed or just the – you know, I don't know that he's as much of an in-the-box headhunter as you would need to be to make up for it. What's your view on Ventrell Miller going into his final season? You know,
0: I think he gets drafted. I think when you look at, um, you know, the the NFL being more of a passing league now, I think that, you know, looking at him in coverage, I think he could do some, you know, some better things there. And I, I agree with you on, you know, kind of the frame. He's not really, you know, the longest kind of linebacker. And he's not he's not the fit of what you look in a new age type of linebacker. You know what I'm saying? You know, he's not that, you know, kind of, athletic guy that's physical enough um but i do think that what he's shown just being kind of a tackle machine I, I think that he's a guy that get drafted i've seen him in some mocks being a first round draft pick i definitely don't agree with that yeah. um it was uh, i can't remember which one it was but i did read one that he was a first i think he was picked 32 to the chiefs in the mock draft that i saw okay. I think it was actually barstool sports that had that one on there so um
1: well, i have a wildly different opinion
0: I definitely do too, but I think he's a guy that gets drafted just because he, like you said, he's very productive. But then, in the same sense, you know, you look at a guy like David Reese, who was kind of that same type of player, very productive in college. And, you know, he wasn't a guy that was drafted either, I believe. Correct Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's what I thought. He wasn't a guy that was drafted. So, you know, I I think that it's one that, you know it's 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 interesting it's an interesting question because i think that you know just the production there he's a guy that could be drafted but then you look at just kind of the you know how things have gone in the past for a guy and i like i said the similarities of reese there you know i think it's possible but i think that a guy that comes back like that you know he's 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 going to have to take that his game to the next level and fix a lot of things you know and I think that the luxury for him, in the same sense that Zach Carter's getting the luxury, is having those big guys in the interior that's part kind of, of the defensive line. I think that he won't have to worry about getting clogged in a lot of lanes. I think it will open things up for him more to kind of have sight, to make plays. So I think that that could be kind of the silver lining for him, is that you know, Florida being bigger on that defensive line can kind of help him you know, be able to scan and play sideline to sideline if he needs to, or attack the hole if he, if he sees it. So I, I think that that's the silver lining for him this coming season, and I think it was good for him to come back for sure.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's any question he probably needed in another year. Like, uh, I've been writing at Lindy's Sports Preview Magazine for the summer, you know, those summer preview magazines that hit the shelves. And one guy that I kind of tabbed as my emerging star was a guy that plays next to Miller, and that's Mahmoud Diabate at linebacker. He's only going into his third year, so, you know, a true junior. But I do think now that he's had a year at linebacker, I think he's one that's a little bit off the radar right now that could potentially play his way into NFL draft status next year and potentially leave early. And the reason I say that is you look at his athleticism, you know, everything that Miller is missing in terms of length and size and, you know, sideline to sideline ability. Diabate has that. Now, the question is, can he begin to continue to up his production? You know, he finished as the team's second leading tackler a year ago. I thought by the second half of the season was really, really playing well. I think for him to get drafted after 2021, he's going to have to be bigger. And so this off season will be really big for him. Can he and put it's good on, for him
0: to actually have a real off season. And those, it's going to help Because I think that that was something that, that didn't help him last year.
1: I, I think he's a guy that could potentially end up on the NFL draft radar if he's able to put on 10 to 15 pounds this off season. Because I am expecting him to have a big year. One other last guy that we'll talk about, trading. Do you think, you think there's any chance he gets drafted now that he's sticking at safety?
0: You know, I think whenever you have a guy that, granted, you know playing star with him didn't go very well. Um, you know, he he was a guy that stepped in as a freshman and did play corner. You know, he had he had you know, it, it, a being a freshman is never easy to be thrown into the fire early. I think he had some deficiencies and things that he had to work on as a freshman playing corner. But you've had a guy that's played star, he's played corner, and he's played safety in his in his time at Florida. So I think showing that flexibility, um, I think his better showing was at safety, even though there were some limited snaps for him last year playing safety. But I think that he definitely needs to improve on on pass coverage. But man, I mean, he is a guy that will stuff the hole as a run guy. I mean, he will he will hit you. He will get downhill quick. And I think that if you look at a guy like Sean Davis, who I think had some deficiency in his game as well, I think that, you know, Trey Dean, I think, has shown to be, I, I say more complete at times, but. You know, he definitely has some up and down games. And, and I and I think that's just a collection of, of his, you know, time being in college. But I definitely think it was smart for him to come back. I definitely think he looks better as a safety. And I think this year is a chance if he can be that full-time safety guy, which is, you know, Florida's losing some of those veteran type of guys from the 2020 season at that safety room. I definitely think Trey Dean has a chance to work himself it, definitely into a, a later draft pick and maybe work up the board if he can, you know, turn the corner, you know, continue to build up and, you know, get – get more physical just from the off-season workouts you know he's got a spring season to really work more and focus more on playing safety which was a spot that he worked at in high school um you know at times he looked playing out of position you know playing at star playing at corner but I think when you have a guy that has those snaps at playing different positions I think that a lot of teams like that versatility where you know that you know if a guy goes down in a game that you can throw him in there and maybe he's not going to be a world beater out there but he's at least serviceable enough
1: yeah I think the biggest thing for him is you know the the big weakness in his game to me is is coverage you know he's, yes. he's kind of struggled in coverage, particularly you know when you're out in space and so I think he'll be more of an in the box safety type for Florida this year and I expect he's going to have some big highlight plays. I think the the biggest thing is can he get comfortable enough in coverage where he's not a liability and if it, as long as he's not a liability in coverage, I think you're going to have enough positives in his column on the pro side you know length athleticism big hitting ability and like you said, the versatility to play multiple spots that I think he'll end up getting drafted. I just think he's got to take a little bit of a step forward in terms of coverage for me to, to, to really be confident in him.
0: And I would agree with that with you.
1: All right, Blake, let's, uh, let's shift gears a little bit. I want to talk recruiting. I know that there's been a lot going on as guys get visits set up. Um, what's Florida's plan now that it's uh, – I believe it's official now that the, the NCAA dead period will end at the end of May?
0: Yeah so June 1st Florida's actually having a uh, summer kickoff type of you know visit day so to say um, they're going to have, you know, like a little cookout type of thing where they've got some guys, 2020 guys, 2023 guys in there. Um, you know, four-star running back Damari Austin, four-star wide receiver Jaden Gibson, uh, four-star offensive lineman Kayshawn Sapp, you know, four-star linebacker Jerron Willis, who actually just committed to Georgia Tech but is still planning to take visits down the road. Trey Donaldson, a, a safety type of target for Florida, who also is being recruited as a basketball player by Florida as well. Isaiah Horton, um, Nick Cole, a defensive back for Florida. Um, so they're going to have some 2022 guys there they're going to have some 2023 guys there and I think the 2023 list is pretty impressive you have a guy like Trayon Webb uh, who's a you know a five-star on the 24-7 sports composite for the 2023 class a five-star linebacker out of Baton Rouge Louisiana and you know I mean LSU territory right there but getting him on campus is good for Florida and Jaden Osbury a five-star 2023 cornerback Cormani McLean who uh, you know he's a five-star on the composite just because 24-7 has very limited five stars for that 2023 class but on 24-7 sports standalone rankings he's the number one cornerback for the 2023 class you know right there to lakeland at lake gibson high school an area that's been good to florida so i mean he's a guy that's definitely on florida's radar they're definitely going to target him heavy and even another five-star cornerback, uh, Tony Mitchell, out of Alabama, who's actually from Lakeland himself. He moved from Lakeland to Alabama as a middle school type of guy. Um, and then even on top of all that, you know, Florida's going to have their quarterback commit, Nick Evers, from the 2022 class there, who's been a big advocate of you know stepping up recruiting. He's definitely recruiting a lot of guys, which I don't think that Florida's really had that you know massive voice of you know trying to recruit guys. I mean, sure, you know, your quarterback is your bell cow. You always want him recruiting guys, and Florida's had some guys you know in past cycles that have done that, but not at the same level. That that Nick Evers has. I mean, he's just very loud with it over social media. He's recruiting guys, you know, through text message. You even see guys that play on his seven-on-seven seven team that are getting offers from Florida because he's recruiting them to Florida. So I think that having him there along with the coaches is really going to have him in a lot of these guys' ears. So um, it should be a big event for Florida on June first. Um, you know, we're, we're still about a month out, so that list will continue to grow, and you know, we'll continue to confirm names because. I mean, let's face it, man, when I was in high school, I didn't know what I was doing until like the day before the day of. So um, we'll see how that list continues to trend out. But, you know, right now I think Florida has a really good core of guys there that, you know, the staff is going to be able to focus on, Um, you know, a good mix of 2022 and 2023 guys there. Um, So, you know, between that and, you know, the – 27 million official visits that Florida's going to have in the month of June. It's going to be a pretty busy, um, pretty busy summer. You know, on top of you know having the the visit day on June 1st and having different, uh, you know, each weekend in the month of June, having guys on there for official visits. Florida's also going to have some camps. Um, I, I don't have the dates in front of me right now, but I know they're going to have lineman camps, seven on seven events. You know, just different camps where guys come in and work out in front of the coaching staff. So, I mean, for as long as we've had a layoff from a dead period. I think it's been around ballpark like a year and a half since then. The month of June is going to be extremely busy. So it's like, you know, kind of a a double-edged sword for me because I'm excited because there's events to finally cover and, you know, being able to cover things on campus and, you know, getting thoughts on these guys that aren't having to talk to a coaching staff over a computer screen or their cell phone screen. At the same time, man, I am not looking for – I wish I could clone myself so that I could have more of me out there in Gainesville just to keep up with everything.
1: I might have to lend you a hand is what I'm hearing.
0: I will definitely (laughs) take it.
1: Sounds good. All right, Blake. Well, that'll do it for today's episode of the show, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll obviously have more coming up as we get into those uh, big visit weekends come come June. Uh, But for now, that'll do it for today's episode of the Swamp 24-7 podcast. Thanks for tuning in.